Welcome to Talmud Tidbits. It's an honor to have you here. I'm your host, Ray Yosef Tropper, and my goal is to share inspiring, uplifting, and beautiful ideas as we go through Shas together, Ezra Hashem, and become more proficient in the beauty and the wisdom of Chazal that will greatly enhance our Vodas Hashem and our lives. Hello, and welcome to this really exciting introductory uh, discussion about Daf Yomi. There's tremendous excitement when we talk about the learning of Gemara and Shas, and there's also trepidation, uh, of course, of learning it properly and following it and applying it, but also it's daunting, 2,711 pages. Am I telling you that if you're listening, you need to finish? No, not at all. But I hope that if we get an understanding of what Dafyomi is all about, how it was founded, or actually how long it's actually been around, in truth, um, and the impact it could have on your life, I hope that you will at least consider uh, doing whatever you can. It, there's, in fact... Uh, I'll tell you from the onset that one of the main benefits of Dafyomi is the uh, is the general commitment that Torah is going to be part of every day of your life, whether you could do the Daf in 20 minutes because of your, you're an expert or whether it takes you a 45 minutes or an hour like most people spend on it or whether it takes you two to five hours a day depending on what your availability is and what your skill level is. It's something that uh, can greatly enhance your life and, and I I uh, encourage you to give it a try, but let's understand some of the background of Daf Yomi. There's just so much to say on it. So um, Daf Yomi means a page a day. That's that's really the simple understanding of it. And it's basically the goal is to go through the 36 Masechtas of Shas. And we know Serafim Omidim Mimal Lo. The Pasuk says that the angels stand above God, so to speak. And Lo is Lamed Vav is 36. And the 36 lights of the Aragonas, 36 hours that the uh, Aragonas... Uh, was uh, manifest in the world from Friday when Hashem created the world. Um, it was a Friday. We know the Gemara and Sanhedrin tells us. And then even though Adam sinned on a Friday, he still was able to benefit from the Aragonas until Shabbos was over. And Shabbos came, and he thought he destroyed the world. Hashem taught him Havdalah, that no, you could, you could build light. The light went away, but you could bring it back. But anyway, so for 36 hours it was there, and the uh, Aragonas was hidden inside the Talmud. That's the, that's the 36 hours of the with the, uh, the 36 Masechtas of Shas, and it's connected to the 36 Krisos that a person could uh, do Rahman and disconnect from Hashem. There's 36 Masechtas, 36 ways of Halacha that a person could connect with Hashem. And so what is this idea of Dafyomi? We know that tens of thousands of people do it. It's an amazing thing. And tens of hundreds of thousands of people celebrated the last Dafyomi, see them, and hundreds of thousands and even more are estimated to uh, be celebrating Mirz Hashem, this upcoming Siyam. And uh, the question will be, will you be part of the next one? It's every seven years and about five months. Uh, every seven years plus five months, uh, the Dafyomi cycle is, is completed. So let's talk about some of the background. Um, first of all, we know that Romeo Shapiro was given uh, some of the largest credit for establishing Dafyomi, and I will talk a lot about him. Um, his Talmud, one of his Talmudi Mufhakim, and uh, one of them that survived the Holocaust was Rav uh, or Shmuel Levi Vosner's that's all. And he said explicitly, many times, that uh, Rebeir Shapiro made it clear that this was not his idea. Uh, maybe he helped establish it and push forward uh, this idea of Dafyomi, but it was not his idea. And he said for hundreds of years, uh, Klai Yisrael studied Dafyomi this way. For example, he said that Rebeki Vager actually taught his Talmudim through the study of Dafyomi, besides his Ian Shir that he gave, but every day they would study uh, one Amun a day, one, one Daf, sorry, one, an Amun is one side of the page, uh, Daf is the entire front and back. So he, Rikki Vega would study a Daf, I often have wondered, 
um, if this explains how, how we have such a prolific writer like Ricky Vega, I mean, obviously he was a genius, but his his prolific writing on Shas and on Shulchan Aruch and everywhere, um, it, it, I think, is explained very well that he, you know, he learned uh, he learned Daf Yomi, and so he had the opportunity to constantly be reviewing and coming up with ideas. So um, the uh, idea of Daf Yomi, uh, and there's an article by um, Agudas Yisrael that was put out in uh, a Jewish Observer, um, which in, in 1997, which I think is decently authoritative, and it says that that um, one of the first ideas for Daf Yomi was put out in a, a magazine in December 1920. It was called uh, Diglenu, our, um, it was the voice of Zeyuria Godus Yisrael, our flag, our banner, and Renach Mendel um, Spivak was the one that actually suggested um, that uh, Daf Yomi should be studied. And it's not clear, but it's very likely that uh, Romero Shapiro was very familiar with, with him and, and this letter. And, but in fact, Romero Shapiro was the one that brought the Dafyomi uh, discussion to the Godus Israel Convention in Vienna, which happened on the third day of El, uh, 1923. It was a 10-day convention. The Chavetz Chaim was in attendance as well. Uh, Chavetz Chaim was in the last 10 years of his life uh, in, at that time. And um, basically, it seems to be that on the 7th, or perhaps according to some other versions, the 9th of L, which was August 19th or 21st, 1923, or Mayor spoke, and he was the Rav of Sonic Poland at the time. He hadn't even started Yeshua's Chachmei Lublin, we'll talk about that. And um, he suggested it, and when the Chavetz Chaim spoke, and he said that I am jealous of the Olam Haba, that Lublin Rav, or he wasn't called that back then yet, but that uh, Romero Shapiro would get, um, that's when everyone adapted. He was Chavetz Chaim was a Gadol Adar, and so we know that on the 10th day of L, 1923, he was adapted. One interesting point that I've always said is that at that uh, uh, Vienna, not only do we have footage of it, which is fascinating, uh, the famous pictures of the Chavetz Chaim, it's probably right in L. You're looking at the Chavetz Chaim, not only are you looking at a video of him, you're looking at him in L, and not only that, but it was at the same meeting that um, uh, Daf Yomi was established. I've often pointed out something very interesting as well, which is that at that specific um, Kinesia Gdola, there were two great things that came out of it, uh, among others, but... One of them was Dafyomi, which uh, Romero Shapiro um, advocated for. Um, and he died tragically young. He died at age 46 without children. And this was literally his baby and his legacy. And the impact made on Claudius was phenomenal. And additionally, uh, a woman named Sarah Schneer, uh, who had secured Haskamas for her 1917 Krakow uh, school called Basiako for girls, and her novel idea, she had the Ger Rebbe supporting her, among many others, and Chavetz Chaim as well, um, at the Knesset Hagdola in 1923, essentially, uh endorsed exactly what she was doing and agreed to take over the entire operation uh, to bring it to the world, which they did. And again, she also died without children at age 51, and it became her great legacy. But there's something fascinating as well. I remember of Mental Weinbach, that's all spoke at the CMA Shas in Eretz Yisrael in the two th- early 2000s. And what he spoke about was the Nashim Sidkanios, that allowed for the Dafyomi to be to be learned and the amount of Zuhuyos that they have, Nashim Maizachian, and the great tribute they have. And I believe that there's uh, these two aspects that come together, that the Beis Yaakov movement created women who love Torah and who understand it and support it and want it and who have encouraged their husbands, fathers, brothers, uh, etc. Uh, to study Gemara and study Dafyomi. And these two things together have really built Kali in phenomenal ways.
Very fascinating. There's a couple of very fascinating points that Romero Shapiro brought up in his speech uh, in 1923. One of them is that he was very concerned about the fact that there were many mesachas that were being studied, but in general, people were not studying everything. And we know from Tosis, and just the way Gemara and Halacha work, is that they're rich in some places and poor in others, and the more you know in Bikias, the more you understand, the more you can put it together. The Gra writes, in fact, this is not from Mayor Shapiro, the Vilna Gon writes, Emein Kemach, Ein Torah. He says, Emein Torah, Emein Kemach. What does that mean? He says, Emein Kemach, if you don't grind what you learn with Ian and Ein Torah, then all your general knowledge, all the Torah that you know, isn't worth much because you have to grind it and understand it deeply. But Emein Torah, if you don't have a large repertoire of all the Torah knowledge, like you see to- the Tosis, they looked at Shas like a like a chessboard, and in Kemach, you can't grind anything because then you have no understanding how to put it all together. So that's, that's what it's all about. We need to have a good Bikiyas, understand things, and, and really learn Shas and be Chachme Shas and understand what Hashem wants from us in Halacha. We have to learn Hashkafa Sachaim. We have to learn how to live our lives according to following Hashem. And so he was concerned that uh, many Masechtas were being neglected. Another thing he brought down is a very famous Gemara in Yavamas, which is a beautiful Gemara, beautiful idea. Um, which is that the Gemara tells us that Gamliel was one time at sea, and he saw a boat that capsized and began to sink. And he was very, very distraught, because he knew that Rekiva was on that boat, and, he knew, and from what he saw, this, nobody was going to be able to survive that, and everyone was going to die. And he was very, very uh, mourning the, the loss of Rekiva. And Gamliel tells over that he disembarked onto the dry land, and Rekiva came to him to study. And he was shocked, and he said, My son... What brought you out of the water? How, how did you survive? And Rekiva's uh, famous response was, Daf shel Sfina, a wooden plank from the boat floated, and I grabbed onto it and held on for dear life, bent my head down, and with each and every wave, I rode it until I reached the shore and survived. And that's what Romero Shapiro said, in life, how many waves come over us that threaten us and want to destroy us? But we hold on to the daf, we hold on to the plank, that's what floats us, keeps us alive as Jews. And, and, and indeed, the love of Adaf Yomi has helped keep people on track and has given has been Machai of people to use their life properly and has really instilled greatness in our lives. And that's another point uh, about Adaf Yomi. There's another famous story that he told over as well, which is a beautiful idea, um, a tribute to his mother, that um, the Mayor Shapiro told over that uh, during his childhood he moved a lot. His family had to move from house to house and city to city and due to poverty and other uh, constant challenges they had and it would disturb uh, his learning and his mother felt that she could keep this, the, the, the household going but her biggest concern was his bittel Torah, his, his, his inability to, anytime there, were, there was a problem with his learning and he told over that there was one occasion that made a deep impact on him that his mother knew that they were moving and she contacted a malami in a new city they were moving to to arrange for them to be able to learn, and she, the Malamed, the, the teacher would meet him, the Rebbe would meet him at the gate of a city, and he'd be able to learn immediately upon arriving there. However, when they reached there, the Malamed was not there. There had been a miscommunication, whatever the problem was. And his mother sat down to cry, and she was so upset and so distraught, and he thought to himself, well, what's going on? Why is she upset? Is she upset because she had paid him and she lost the money? Was she upset? Well, what's she upset about? So I said, Mommy, Mommy, what are you upset? Why are you crying? I'll learn tomorrow. Don't worry. And she said, no. Meryl, Meryl, you don't understand. You appreciate that the, you'll learn tomorrow. That's great, but what about the Bittal Torah of today? And Meryl Shapiro said that made such an impact on him to understand how much his mother valued every day 
And that is something that he wanted to bring to us. And one of the things, he, another thing that he told over is the amazing thing. If you think about it, if we all get on a schedule and learn the same exact duff, he says you have a Jew that travels from Eretz Yisrael to, to America for whatever reason. And he said back then it took, it was a 15-day trip. So he says he travels for a half a month. And he arrives in America and he goes to the base matters in New York and he finds Jews learning the exact same daf that he's learning. It's amazing. And he could join them. And another Jew leaves America and he travels on business to Brazil or Japan and he goes to the base matters and again he finds everybody learning. Could there be a greater unity of hearts than this? And that's what he wanted to establish. And this idea really, really spread to the point that they established that, remember, this was L when they were meeting. They decided that on Rosh Hashanah that year, 1923, they would start daf Yomi. And the Jewish leaders followed this and copied it, and they all agreed that they would start. And tens of thousands of Jews in Europe and America and Eretz Israel began learning Daf Yomi with Mesechus Brachos. In fact, in the Hasidic world, Ger Rebbe, Rav Ram Mordechai Alter, he, on Rosh Hashanah, he made a display that he would learn Daf Yomi. He picked up Gemara Brachos, learned the first Daf, and this was something that really, really made it stick because tens of thousands of Hasidim followed suit. The Rebbe wants to learn Daf Yomi. They also wanted to learn it. We know that it was actually a rabbi many years later who established Daf Yomi for Yerushalmi, uh, which, is all, which is a lot shorter. Uh, we're missing a lot of pages of Yerushalmi as well. It's about 1,500 pages as opposed to 2,700 plus pages. Um, in November 12th, uh, 1924, we know that Brachus was completed. There were small siyumim throughout the world, many local communities. And Rameyer Shapiro at that time published a calendar for the entire Daf Yomi cycle. In fact, what's interesting is that there were many times that there were questions about what should be studied, and Rameyer Shapiro was constantly consulted about that. In fact, it, what's very interesting is that in the first cycle, there were only 2,702 pages of the Gemara. No, they didn't skip any. Uh, but it later got established to be a cycle of 2,711 Daf. And the only difference, it's, a, it's an interesting trivia question, but the only difference is Masechus Shkalim, because if you follow the, the Yerushalmi print, there's uh, a discrepancy of how many pages are there. It's not that we're missing any, it's just that there's different Mepharshim published on the side. So there's a discrepancy of nine pages between the Yerushalmi actual print, if you use the Yerushalmi Gemara, versus the Bavli Gemara. If you take a look at, at the Masechus Shkalim, you'll see it's the only one that there was no Bavli on, and so therefore the Yerushalmi was substituted there in Moed. Um, when they finished Masechus Pesachim, the cornerstone of Shivas Chachmei Leblin had been established, and Rameir Shapiro um, had a very interesting idea, which again we'll see is very, very intuitive and very um, before his times. And he asked that every single person should contribute a daily groshkin, which is a, about a penny or, uh, in their time. And each day when you study Dafyomi, set aside one grush, a Polish penny, and at the end of the Masechta, bring it to the yeshiva to help support the yeshiva. And the Ger Rebbe immediately contributed uh, 2,700 groshkin uh, to support the initiative. I don't know the exactly how much that is worth, but you could take a look how much is 27 zloty or 2,700 groshkin worth. Again, it was the equivalent of the Polish penny in 1923 or 1924. The Second World Congress of the World a Good Israel held in 1929 coincided with Masechus which celebrated Dafyomi again. And the first Siyamashas took place on February 2nd 1931, again, the day, uh, Tu B'Shvat, which is, again, there's always been interesting connections between Dafyomi days and completions. It was through, held in Europe, in Yerushalayim, and the main venue was in Yeshiva's Chachmei Lublin, in, in Lublin, Poland. Tens of thousands of Jews were there, and Romero Shapiro presided over the Siam. He was Zoha to see it through. In the United States, there were Siam held, I believe, in New York, but there's also records that there were Siam held in two 
interesting communities that you might have heard of, Baltimore and Philadelphia. The completion of the next Dafyomi cycle uh, took place years later, and I'm not going to go through all of them, but in the 90s it became a very popular thing. Uh, with 1997, the 10th CMS was celebrated by an estimated 70,000 Jews in the United States. The 11th CMS in 2005 had 120,000 people in the United States celebrating in different cities combined, and 300,000 around the world. The 12th CMS was in, 19, it was in 2012, August 1st, and it was at MetLife Stadium and um, in New Jersey and had uh, 90,000 attendees. The seats were sold out. It was an amazing experience. I was so happy to be there, and I was so happy to be there in 2005, CMHS and Eric Estral. Who could forget Renaissance V. Finkel crying and begging us to teach our children that there's nothing sweeter in the entire world than the words, Hadron Allah Talmud Bavli. What beauty. Now, you might say, I can't do it. Okay. That's fine. You don't have to. One of the greatest things about Dafyomi is that you get a new chance every 60 to 90 days or so, depending on the Masalta. So pick up a Gemara. Do whatever you can. Gemara, Rashi, Tosis, whatever you like to learn. It's an amazing thing. Um, it's an amazing, amazing thing. And there are shiurim online. There are shiurim in person. There are shiurim on the light rail. There are shiurim everywhere. Uh, there are shiurim. You could pick up a Schottenstein Gemara. You could pick up a shir. Koran Gemara, there's, there's so many options of where to learn and how to learn. And, in fact, there's been so many uh, things that have copied it, like Mishnah Yomis, Nach Yomi, Musar Yomi. Uh, the Ger Rebbe, in 1980, introduced uh, Yerushalmi Yomi, which I mentioned before. And in 1984, the Lubavitcher Rebbe introduced Mishnah Torah Yomi of, of, uh, of Rambam. What do we see? We see that a daily commitment is something that makes a profound impact on everything we do. The Gemara in Megillah tells over uh, a whole list of Tanoam and describing and Amoram describing things that they did. Excuse me, Amoram describing things that they did. What what gate what in what merit did you have a long life? And one of them says, "All the days of my life, I never uh, took took honor out of my friend's uh, insult, or I never stepped over other people, or I never was late for shul." So you kind of read through it, and you're, you're looking, okay, well, which one should I do? But none of, there's no, is there a common denominator between them? They all have different things that they did that gave them a long life. There's one common denominator. Every one of them starts off miyamai, all the days of my life. The one common denominator is consistency. When a person has consistency in their life, they can accomplish great things. And that's what dafyomi is. It's an opportunity for consistency when you take a look at all the things that you could accomplish by being consistent and by learning on a consistent basis. It's a phenomenal thing. Let's talk a little bit about Rev. Yehuda Meir Shapiro. That was his actual name, the uh, most famously known as the Lublina Rav. He was born in uh, March 3rd, 1887, and died very tragically young on October 27th. 1933. He was a Polish Hasidish Rav and a Rashiva known as the Lublina Rav, most famous for Chachmei Lublin, where he started the yeshiva. I knew a Talmud who learned there. Many of his Talmudim survived the Holocaust. One, I asked him, I said to him, I heard that you had to know 600 blot Balpeh to get accepted. It was a Harvard of yeshivas. In 1923, he was there in 1930 or so. And he said, no, no, no. He said, I was from the weaker Talmudim of Mayor Shapiro was not as strict at some times, and I only knew 300 blot Balpeh. I only knew... Uh, Bubba Kam, Bubba Nsiyam, Bubba Basra. I wasn't, I wasn't the, from the smartest ones. He died at age 46. He was married to Malka Toba Shapiro, and they weren't able to have children. And they were both extremely dedicated to the yeshiva. 
And um, he came from very hush of stock, but most importantly, he took advantage of his background, where he came from, and used it. Very fascinating. A lot of people don't know this, but in 1932, he was approached by the leaders of Lutz, Lutz asking him to become a chief rabbi there. And uh, the Ger Rebbe's brother had been running for it, and uh, but yet people were pushing for a mayor Shapiro to take the position, and he signed a contract with them that a large part of his wage would pay off the debt of Chachmei Lublin. You see, Chachmei Lublin was founded with the advent of being the most prestigious and beautiful yeshiva, and it had a five-story building and dormitory. Um, it also had a, a Svarim library with over 100,000 books in there. And um, he wanted to pay off his debt, and so he took he agreed to take this position on the condition that they would pay a large part of his salary would go towards paying off all the debt for Chachmei Lublin. Tragically, he died three days after becoming the chief rabbi of Lutz. Very, very fascinating. Um, after everything was said and done. Now, um, he, he uh, became ill with typhus in 1933, and he died within that month. Um, and he was mourned by, by all. Uh, his legacy as the founder of Dafyomi and as the inspiration for generations to come is a phenomenal thing. Um, eventually, his body was brought by his brother to Eretz Yisrael um, in the 80s. And, I'm sorry, in the 50s, in 1958. And he was re- uh, reburied in Haramanuchos. And many of his Talmidim, um, who had survived the Holocaust, gave very, very bitter hespedim, missing the Rebbe and uh, the beautiful things that he had accomplished. But he certainly lives on in the Gemara. And um, ultimately, Chachmei Lublin uh, only lasted for a couple of years um, under his leadership, about three years. Um, what's very interesting as well is that uh, in the first, I believe in the first year of Chachmei Lublin, his Talmidim asked him what he wanted for his birthday. And so he said, well, thank you for asking. I'll tell you the truth. I want Shas. This was the day before his birthday. They asked him what present he wanted. And so he under, they understood what he wanted. So they, div- they divvied up Shas throughout the entire yeshiva, and everyone learned a couple of blot. And on his birthday, which was 24 hours later, they made a him on Shas. That's what he wanted. He wanted Shas. And so I think that's what we could give him. We could give him Shas. Now, are we going to accomplish 2,711 pages? Am I asking you to... to uh, Commit yourself to such a large thing? No, but give it a try. Be open to it. Recognize the beauty and the grandeur. It's an amazing thing to be part of it. I've been Zoha to learn Dafyomi for many years now, and it's a phenomenal thing. Of so many great Talmud Chacham have encouraged it. If you listen to the recordings of previous Siyumi uh, Hashas, Rev Yaakov Kamenetsky, that's all when he spoke in the eighties at his last Siyum Hashas. Uh, which we weren't so good to have him back at the next one. Even he had mentioned, who knows what would happen if he would be there. And uh, he said that every yeshiva bacher even should establish time to learn dafyomi. It's a phenomenal thing. My Rebbe, Refrain Greenblatt, that's all. It was a Talmud Mulek or Moshe Feinstein. He felt very strongly about dafyomi, very strongly encouraged it, which had an influence on me, which is why I started learning it. It's a phenomenal thing to learn. And every year we get a deeper understanding of the Gemara and every person every day. Of course, some days I have more time and I could spend more time plumbing the beauty of Gemara. And some days I just do my daf and I do it quickly. And Baruch Hashem, the family, the children know that it's, it's, it's a part of life. Um, and it's a phenomenal thing to be part of Kalal Yisrael in this very, very powerful way. Of course, there are people that have cheshbonos and it's not for everyone. And it's totally fine. Echad amar, There are other daily sadarm that you could have. And of course, everyone should... Uh, think about it themselves. But when you think about the beauty of Dafyomi and the inspiration that it has to offer, it's a phenomenal opportunity that I hope we will grab on to the Daf that keeps us alive, that helps us float through the biggest challenges of life, and we should be Zoha to carry on the legacy of Romero Shapiro in the most powerful and great way, and to accomplish great things in Torah, Lishmoa, Lomod, Lamed, Lishmar, Velasos, Lakayim, as called Divrei. 
Torah Hazos, this great, great, beautiful words of a Torah that should inspire us, uplift us, and make us the best people in the world. I want to end off with one last thing that I've said at Fusiyumim, which is that Rabbi Sarol Salantra said a famous thing, which is that it's harder to break one mita than it is to finish all of Shas. And I've often joked that I believe it's finishing Shas, Bavli, and Yerushalmi. It's very, it's not easy. <laughs> Those are big accomplishments. But to work on our midos, that's the purpose of it all. Like the Gras says, Lav if you don't work on your midos, then what's the purpose of your life? And so as we learn through the Gemara, let it go through our veins. Let it make an influence and impact upon us and create more Yerushalayim in us and more greatness inside us and the great legacy of Reiki Vegar and through generations on old. We know even the Gemara itself talks about people that used to learn and review everything every 30 days, every year, etc. Uh, so we know that, there, that learning in cycles is very, very important and we should be Zoha to make Torah a part of our everyday lives and that it should uplift us, our friends, our family, those around us and we should be Zoha to learn Torah and unite Klai Yisrael through it.